worship with the Lutheran Church of the Nativity in Arden, North Carolina. It is so good to have you join us, however you're joining us and whenever you're joining us. I'd like to share with you a couple of announcements. Next Sunday will be Youth Sunday. So if you're able to come and participate in person, that'll be fantastic. Some of our seniors will be giving their senior sermons. We will have lovely music led by our younger members and all parts of the service will be done by our youth. However, if you're not able to make it to be with us in person, we will provide to you um, our online worship video, which will include a lot of parts done by our youth for that service as well. Also, coming up, I'm super excited about this, on May 5th at 5 p.m., you are all invited to gather for our choir picnic on the lawn outside of the church. Bring your lawn chair, bring your own dinner so you can have a picnic with one another, and come and, and get to know Ryan a little bit more. Um, and hear about what the plans are for all the choirs, adult choir, youth choir, handbell choirs, and any other creative choirs you can think of, come and join us. Remember, that's the 5th at 5 p.m. And if you don't want to bring food, just come and hang out. And as always, my friends, if you ever need anything, would like to have a conversation, or need me to know something in particular, please don't hesitate to be in touch. Let us continue with our brief order for confession and forgiveness. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God who creates us and forms us, who redeems us and calls us, who unites us and sends us. Amen. Gathered in God's presence, let us confess our sins. Mighty and loving God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We seek our own way. We divide the body of Christ. In your mercy, cleanse us and heal us. Let the words of our mouths, the thoughts of our hearts, and everything that we do be filled with faith, hope, and love. Amen. Friends, hear the voice of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim release to the captives. In the name of Jesus Christ, I proclaim to you that your sins are forgiven and you are released. The joy of the Lord is your strength and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are yours forever. Amen. Hallelujah. He is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. The joy and peace of God be with you all. Let us pray. Almighty God, with joy we celebrate the day of our Lord's resurrection. By the grace of Christ among us, enable us to show the power of the resurrection in all that we say and do. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is from Acts, the eighth chapter. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian 
eunuch, a court official of the Candids, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you're reading? He replied, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom may I ask you? Does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. And they were going along the road. They came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop. And both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he was passing through the region. He proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is from 1 John, the fourth chapter. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God so loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the father has sent his son as the savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this, 
Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 15th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, God prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. My friends, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So once again, in our gospel reading, we have Jesus saying a lot of things that sound like the Jesus that we love. But then some things that sound cryptic and somewhat frightening. I mean, listen again to verse 6 from our gospel from John. Jesus says, Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Is Jesus really saying, you don't, if you don't abide in me, then you will be cut off and discarded? And as if that wasn't enough, is he really saying, let's be sure to throw you into the furnace of hell for good measure? There seems to be a lot of scary judgment here. But maybe that's not the point of this verse. I think we tend to read this verse and others like it as if Jesus's words were a rationale for judgment, as if Jesus's words justify that we've always been a part of the in crowd and Jesus only has us in mind. We are quite accomplished when it comes to judgment, aren't we? So quick to determine who is in and who is out. However, that is not the point. The judgment found in these verses is Jesus, isn't Jesus's focus at all. Verse 6 is not a verse of condemnation because that's not what Jesus came to do. Following the verse that many people know by heart comes John 17, where Jesus proclaims, indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order for the world to be saved through him. This is a statement of life. This is a statement of connection. And without connection to a life source, abundant life is not possible. Jesus is teaching using the image of the vine grower and the vine, the vine and the branches. 
The image of the vine offers a picture by which the disciples may see themselves as able to do as commanded because of their connection to the vine. And to do the commandments means to bear fruit for each other and in the world. Jesus first uses this image as it describes his relationship with his father before he moves to how the image might portray his relationship to the disciples. This is the key for mutual abiding between Jesus, the Father, and the disciples, and us. Jesus is the vine, and the Father is the vine grower. Like any good vine grower, God tends the vine with care pruning where necessary so that it bears as much fruit as possible. So really, this is an image that points us to the theme of hope and strength found in dependence. The vine needs the vine grower as much as the vine grower needs the vine. The vine needs the vine grower for optimal growth and production, even its abundance. The vine will produce more fruit if cared for. The vine grower needs the vine to produce, to make abundance possible for sustenance and life. The mutuality assumed in this image is essential because actually there's profound dependence, profound reliance, because life is nothing without belonging, without intimacy, without origin without connection. How can we bear fruit? How can we imagine being beyond ourselves? How can we realize our potential if we have no grounding, no sense of origin, no relationship, no affirmation of possibility outside ourselves? Bearing fruit depends on dependence. It depends on connection. It depends on belonging. And as soon as we think we can produce fruit, we can produce anything from the basis of our own efforts, from our own independence, think about it. What kind of fruit is that really going to be? Because bearing fruit has everything to do with who we are in relationship to God, the community, and to the world. I wonder if this is something we tend to forget or ignore. That the manifestations of our faith are not individual expressions of our theological commitments and convictions, but are deeply lodged in and arise from the connections in our lives. The connection to God. The connection to the community of faith and the connection to the world. There is very little potential for faith embodied if we do not realize that bearing fruit of our faith is based on our dependence on God and the community of faith for the sake of our own siblings in, in faith, those unknown to us throughout the world, and even our enemies. However, there can be fear in bearing fruit, and that fear has many levels. Because really, once we bear fruit, we lose control. We chance exposure. Others may come to know 
and see on what and who we rely, and in what and on whom we lodge our strength, others will begin to see how dependent we actually are. But still, we are called to bear fruit, and we can bear fruit because we are the branches to Jesus' vine, to God's vine grower. And what kind of fruit shall we bear? Well, we can bear fruit to each other, which in and of itself is not a bad thing. But if we are only caring for members of this family of faith, then our fruit is only so-so. I certainly don't have all the answers on how to bear fruit for the world, but I can tell you that bearing fruit should mark who we are and how we treat everyone we meet. It should mark how we care for the environment, how we talk about politics, how we try to converse with someone we disagree with. Sometimes it's easier to bear fruit, like praying and giving money for natural disasters. Sometimes it's pretty difficult, like praying, talking about, and working for justice in our nation and in our world. But in all cases, we are called to bear fruit. And if we ever wonder what that should look like, we only have to return to the promises made at our baptismal day, that we are to live among God's faithful people. We are to hear the word of God and share in the Lord's Supper. We are to proclaim the good news of God in Christ through word and deed. We are to, we are to serve all people following the example of Jesus, and we are to strive for justice and peace in all the earth. Bearing fruit can be risky business. It will reveal who you are and on whom you depend. It will expose your lack of self-sufficiency. It will show others that there's no other way but to be dependent. Some will think it's weakness. Some will think it's foolishness. Some will think that naming and claiming our dependence on the vine grower severs our being and having actualized autonomy. But we know this isn't true. We are a part of the vine. We are the branches. And we are to bear fruit for the vine and the vine grower. And in turn, both the vine grower and the vine will provide us with hope and strength in a relationship of mutual grace and love. Amen. We are gathered by God into one church through Christ. Together with our siblings throughout the world, we confess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
On this fifth Sunday of Easter, let us unite in Christ to pray for all in need. Responding to each petition with the words, make us one in you. Let us pray. God of triune mystery, as you have formed your church to be one fruitful vine, strengthen our churches and our ecumenical connections with Christians across the street and around the globe. Hear our prayer, O loving God. Make us one in you. As you blessed Philip the Evangelist, nurture our missionaries and theologians, our seminaries, our faith formation, and all discussions of the faith. Hear our prayer, O enlightening one. Make us one in you. As you brought the Ethiopian eunuch to baptism, lead all Christian communities to welcome people of each sexual identity, every skin color, and of all national backgrounds. Hear our prayer, O embracing God. Make us one in you. As you created an earth with countless forms of plant and animal life, train us to honor and maintain the bountiful earth that you intend for us and future generations. Hear our prayer, O creating God. Make us one in you. As you call humankind to live in love with one another, bring peace to nations, to neighborhoods, and to homes. Protect the oppressed and the vulnerable in every land. Show us the path to nonviolence in all things. Hear our prayer, O reconciling God. Make us one in you. As you promise to hear the cries of all the needy, Listen now to the countless people around the world who are suffering from sickness, from the coronavirus, from injustice, from abuse, from starvation. Hear our pleas for India. We pray especially for those we name now either silently or in our hearts. Hear our prayer, O healing God. Make us one in you. Into your hands, O living God, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you all. My friends, I encourage you to find a way to share a sign of the peace within your household. Text a friend, make plans to call someone later in the day, Shout it across your street. Pet your pets. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. St. Paul tells us in the book of Galatians, 
You, my siblings, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge yourself. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so we live out loving our neighbors and those unknown to us by doing the work of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Friends, since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not hold on to it as just an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. And so, the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound by hope in the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of all grace bless you now and forever. You are the body of Christ, raised up for the world. Go in peace. Share the good news. Hallelujah.